It's a new house in your first day, but you wake up your favorite way. Cause with Folgers to prove, the aroma's calling you. The best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. Mornings are brighter with mountain-grown Folgers. Mountain-grown coffee beans have more enticing aroma than any other kind. The best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. Your family's back home today. So wake them up their favorite way Cause it's for the taboo The aroma's calling you The best part of waking up Is Folgers in your car Mornings are brighter with mountain-grown Folgers Mountain-grown coffee beans have more enticing aroma than any other kind The best part of waking up Is Folgers in your car Good morning to you, church. We are excited to be here together. Not exactly excited the way we had hoped to be together this morning. We are uh, back to doing this uh, remote uh, church service where we're gathered together in our homes with our families or wherever you might be today. And uh, we're doing this online for a couple of weeks, as uh, you are aware. We had uh, COVID reach back into our fellowship last week, and so we're asking that uh, you be in prayer for uh, Ken and Lena Adler and their family. Uh, Ken and Lena are doing pretty good, but the extended family, um, the kids and grandkids, um, they're pretty sick. And so we're just uh, praying that uh, they'll get better soon, but uh, we're, uh, we're excited to be able to come together uh, again today, uh, even in this kind of environment. As much as Pastor Mark and I give a hard time to technology and our lack of understanding of it and our dislike for a lot of the things that come up, you know, it is just a, it's a great, great uh, opportunity for us to be able to do what we do the way we do in the time frame that we are today where we can gather together. So we're excited to be here today. We're going to continue our series. I hope you've had a chance this morning to watch some of the uh, videos that we put out about the service today. I hope you've had a chance, more importantly, to spend some time in worship with some of your favorite worship music. I love the, the video that uh, Pastor Mark put out the other day, encouraging us to go find some worship uh, music and spend some time together um, just getting our mind and hearts prepared to worship the King this morning. Listen, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to get right into the message. Father, thank you for this opportunity. Lord, this is not how we would prefer to gather together for church. This is not what we would prefer to do. We would much rather be together in the building, um, worshiping together uh, in the room. But Lord, we're grateful that because of your Holy Spirit, because of the work that you've done in us, we can gather together across a screen, across the miles, across the the, the uh, the road from one another, uh, and we can worship together. Lord, thank you that you have uh, uh, made the technology possible, but more importantly, Father, thank you that you've uh, put the Holy Spirit of God in each one of your children, and you allow us to come together and to worship together, uh, even in this type of environment. So, Father, we pray that you would bless your word today. We pray that you would honor it, and that you would speak through it, we pray that it would have impact into the life of our church. The, those that uh, watch this video, 
that listen to this message. Lord, I pray that it would move us to be the kind of disciples that you've called us to be. Lord, we pray these things in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Well, we are in this uh, commercial series that we're doing. We're just taking these commercial taglines and we're kind of springboarding from there into what the Word of God says uh, that we can use just this kind of thought process to, to move us along. It's just a little catchy way, uh, much like we did in the past when we did the movies during the summer. We did television shows, shows during the summer one year, and this year we're using commercials. And uh, if you haven't figured out yet from the commercials, we tend to lean heavy towards the coffee commercials. That just is, you know, near and dear to our heart. And uh, so... The commercial we've been using for this week is the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. And I actually think I'm drinking Folgers this, this afternoon or this morning. I'm not really sure, but I think it's Folgers that I'm actually drinking today. So it's very appropriate that we're using that today. Um, I don't really care what brand it is, but it sure is good coffee. And as much as I love coffee, here's what I have to tell you. The best part of awakening to a brand new day isn't a cup of coffee. Maybe second, and it may be close, but it's not the best part. What makes you want to get up and get going each day? I want you to think about that a minute. I want you to be honest with yourself. Is it your job? Is it your kids? Is it your spouse? Is it some greater humanitarian enterprise that you're involved in, in the world around you? Where do you find your purpose, your drive, each and every day? Or maybe, just maybe, you struggle with this altogether. Maybe you struggle with the idea of just getting up and getting motivated for the day. You don't want to face the day at all. I know folks, I know folks in our church that have legitimate, true struggles with depression. That struggle with, with battling the world around them and their inner Um, emotional um, stability. So let me help you with that today. The best part of waking up every single day is being in Christ. That's the best part of waking up. If you are in Christ, as the scripture calls it, this should be the absolute truth. Not in some spiritual theory sort of way, but in an everyday reality for every single born-again disciple of Jesus Christ. The very best part of your day. The moment you open your eyes to, to undertake whatever the day may hold. The very best part of your day should be the fact that you are now in Christ. And that's not just my opinion or, or my life experience. That's what the scripture says. And so I want us to get into the word today and I want us to see what God has to say to us because it, the, the word of God is our daily authority. It is the guidebook for our life. That's why every week we encourage you to read along with us in our Bible reading plan. That's why every month we encourage you to memorize your memory verse that we're memorizing as a church together. It's so that the word of God can impact your life it's so that it can impart the, the will of God into your mind and into your heart and into your life. So today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm going to read a, a rather lengthy passage. 
about 14 verses. And the reason I'm reading this lengthy passage is because in the original language, verse 2 to verse 14 is one long sentence. Uh, if you were to write this kind of a sentence in an English class today, you would get bounced from the class. You know, we don't do those long run-on sentences in the English language. But in Greek, they did. And Paul used this one sentence to just move a thought forward that uh, in several places in Scripture, this same thought is carried. Peter talks about it in one of uh, his books. I think it's Second Peter. Um, other places, just talk, Paul talks about it. So let's look into Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm reading again today out of the ERV. And uh, so here we go. Ephesians chapter 1. Greetings from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am an apostle because that is what God wanted. To the God's holy people living in Ephesus, believers who belong to Christ Jesus. Now I want you to just take out that word in Ephesus. Um, not because it doesn't belong and not because it's not who he's writing to. Um, in some manuscripts, the word Ephesus, in Ephesus is taking out. But more importantly, I want you to apply what we talk about today to you. Are you part of God's holy people living as a believer who belongs to Christ Jesus? That's verse one. Everything going forward now is one thought continuing. Grace and peace to you. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Christ, God has given us every spiritual blessing in heaven. In Christ, He chose us before the world was made. He chose us in love to be His holy people. People who could stand before Him without any fault. And before the world was made, God decided to make us His own children through Jesus Christ. This is what God wanted, and it pleased him to do it. And this brings praise to God because of his wonderful grace. God gave that grace to us freely. He gave us that grace in Christ, the one he loves. In Christ, we are made free by his blood sacrifice. We have forgiveness of sins because of God's rich grace. God gave us that grace fully and freely. With full wisdom and understanding, he let us know his secret plan. This was what God wanted, and he planned to do it through Christ. God's goal was to finish his plan when the right time came. He planned that all things in heaven and on earth be joined together in Christ as the head. In Christ, we were chosen to be God's people. God had already planned for us to be his people because that is what he wanted. And he is the one who makes everything agree with what he decides and wants. We Jews were the first to hope in Christ. And we were chosen so that we would bring praise to God in all his glory. It is the same with you. You heard about the true message, the good news about the way God saves you. When you heard that good news, you believed in Christ. And in Christ, God put his special mark on you by giving you the Holy Spirit that he promised. The Spirit is the first payment that guarantees we will... We will get all that God has for us. Then we will enjoy complete freedom as people who belong to him. The goal for all of us is the praise of God in all his glory. So this morning, I want us to look at what God says through the Holy Spirit to the Apostle Paul, to you and I this morning. 
about who we are in Christ, what we have in Christ, what has been given to us to walk out each and every day. So let's just begin and let's just break this this passage apart. In verse number three, the Bible tells us that we have every spiritual blessing in heaven. The Bible tells us that we are seated together with Christ in heaven. God the Father is in heaven and to the right hand of his throne is God the Son, Jesus Christ. And we are in Christ. So that means that we are in the presence of God the Father and God the Son in the heavens. God sees us through this lens of Jesus Christ. He sees you as perfected in Christ. He sees you in the way that you will be in glory. We've talked about this often about salvation. Salvation in our mind is this this process of of moving. it's, It's these separate events in our life. There's that moment when we get saved, when we become born again by the Spirit of God, that moment of regeneration. And for most of us, when we talk about salvation, that's what we talk about. But God looks at it differently. He sees it as a progressive work from the moment you become born again. And then the process of sanctification, everything that goes on from the moment you become born again by the Spirit of God until the moment you die and leave this body is the process of sanctification, of maturing you in Christ, of making you into the image of of Christ. And at that moment of death, becomes the the uh, the act of glorification God glorifies your body or glorifies your soul and you become perfect as God is perfect through Jesus Christ not by any power of your own but in Christ and so he looks at this progressive thing as a matter of fact we're going to see in just a moment that God looks at this from before eternity began he looks at this as something that didn't happen even, but that, that happened even before you were born. Even before he created the world. God saw all of this. And it pleased him. All of these blessings are kept in heaven in Christ. And they can't be undone. If it were possible for you to undo the salvation that has been given to you. That has been, that has been foreordained by God in in eternity past, before the heavens were created, then that means you would have the power that God has. How, how can you undo something that God planned and prepared for His good pleasure, by His will, by His power? We can't. When you're born again, life has been given by God in His grace and in His mercy. And it is forever eternal in His will. Now there's a lot of people that claim that birth that have never been birthed. And because of that, we often wonder if a person can lose their salvation. But the reality is, if you've been born again by the Spirit of God, you don't have the power to undo that. And God has promised He won't. What God has purposed will be completed. Romans chapter 8, 28 and 29 Tell us clearly that God has prepared and purposed for us a plan 
that will be completed by his power and by his will. I think most of you know the verse, um, have memorized it in some form or another. Let me read it for you out of, um, again, out of the ERV. We know that in everything, God works for the good of those who love him. These are the people God chose because that was his plan. God knew them before he made the world and he decided that they would be like his son. Then Jesus would be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. That is clear. That the life of Christ that's been given to a disciple is by the power of God. It can't be undone. It is kept and held in heaven by Christ. Not only have you been given every spiritual blessing in heaven, but Bible tells us in verse four of Ephesians chapter number one, that he chose us. I want you to just think about that for a minute. God chose you. If you've been born again by the spirit of God, God chose you. Now, I, I don't have one of those stories where I remember being on a playground and I didn't get picked to play in a game or what I that probably happened. I just don't remember it. It wasn't like I was the most talented athletic kid in the world. Um, I just don't remember those stories. But, but to recognize what it would feel like to be unchosen by someone in an earthly format gives us a little bit of context of how it, we should feel to realize that we've been chosen by God. Before the world was ever even formed, in Christ, he chose us before the world was made. The Bible says that he chose you in love. The reason he chose you was because of love. He chose us in love to be his holy people. He chose you to be holy, to be set apart. That word holy doesn't mean perfect. That word holy doesn't mean that you're you're some ridiculous character character of of what the world says a, a Christian is. If you watch television today, if a Christian is put on any kind of television show, almost always they're they're being uh, ridiculed because of their life and their behavior and their character. The truth of the matter is. That God called you to be holy and to be holy means to be set apart, to be different. God said that he chose you because he loved you and he chose you to be holy. A people who could stand before him without fault. I don't know about you, but I struggle with that. Man, do I struggle with that. When I come before the Lord, I see all of my faults. And when I measure myself against the word, I see how much I fail. And when I come before God so often, that, that emotional understanding of my failures and my faults comes with me. And yet God sees me through the lens of Christ and what Christ has done and the perfection that Christ is. And the Bible says because of that, he can see me. He can see you as a people who can stand before him. Without fault. Man, if that doesn't make your day better, if that doesn't make your day when you wake up to realize that no matter what, when you wake up, that you are in the presence of an almighty God and you can stand and look at him and, and fellowship with him 
and, and share with him and love with him and rejoice with him and worship him and honor him because he has made you to be able to stand in his presence without fault. What, what's the result of this choice? The result of this choice that God has made is that it would bring God praise. Verse number six tells us this brings God praise to God because of his wonderful grace. Let me tell you something. When you stand and walk every day in the power and the presence in the, in the truth of who you are as a child of God, as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Listen, you can't separate those things. We've been talking to you about it. We've been trying to help you to understand this. You cannot separate being born again, being saved, being a believer from being a disciple. Those are all interchangeable words in God's mindset. You are a disciple of, of Jesus Christ. And because of that, you and I need to expose the world around us to the grace of God. Every day when you, you go out into the world and you intersect with your family, with your wife, with your husband, with your kids, with your parents, with your church, with your neighborhood, with the people in your, your job site, and the people at the grocery store, what we need to be doing is exposing them to the grace of God. Listen, I'm not perfect. I fail often. And what I need to be doing is exposing people to the grace that God has poured on me and the grace that God has given me and the grace that God uses to reveal to me that I need to change the way I live and how I walk and how I talk. We need to expose the, the world to his grace because it brings him praise. Listen, God didn't give you his grace because you were worthy of it. God didn't give you his grace because you deserve it. I don't know about you. I, to, I, I keep mentioning television, I guess, because we're in this commercial series. But I keep watching these commercials that have been out now for um, some time. I guess the last six months to a year, I guess I've been seeing them. Um, these Medicare commercials where they, they keep coming on and telling you, you need to register with this, this company so that you can get all of the benefits that you deserve. Praise God, we don't get all the benefits that we deserve from God. What we get are all the benefits of God's grace. Because let me tell you what you deserve. The same thing I deserve. The same, the same thing that every single human being deserves on this earth. From Adam until whoever the last one will be. Every one of us deserve hell. To be cast away from God because of our willfulness and our sinfulness and our disobedience and the nature that is within us. But God in his grace, because he loved Jesus, he exposed us to his grace. This brings praise to God because of his wonderful grace. God gave that grace to us freely. He gave us that grace in Christ the one he loves. Because he loved Christ, he honored Christ. Because he honored Christ, he gave freely the grace that he's given to us. 
me tell you, tell you what else the Bible says. The Bible says that he chose us and he made us free in verse 7 by his blood sacrifice. Verse 7 says, in Christ we are made free by his blood sacrifice. We have forgiveness of sins because God's rich grace. The first thing that I want you to know that you've been freed from in Christ by the blood sacrifices, you've been freed from the penalty of sin. There's a cost for sin. There's a penalty to sin. There's a payment for sin. That payment is death. Physical death, spiritual death. Romans chapter number 5, verses 1 and 2. In the Holman Christian Standard, the Bible says, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because we've been declared righteous. We've been purchased. And declared righteous. What we owed has been paid. We've been declared righteous by our faith. And because of that now we have peace with God. There's no longer an enmity between us. There's no longer a a distance between us. There's no longer something standing between you and and God. and, And me and God if we're a follower of Jesus. He also says, you have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only have you been freed from the penalty of sin, but you've been freed from the power of sin. You've obtained access to God by faith. You can stand in God's grace. Romans chapter 6 gives us a a clear picture of this. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 1 says to us, So do you think you should continue sinning so that God will give you more and more grace? Of course not. Our old sinful life ended. You understand that, that in God's sight, the moment you were born again, your old sinful life ended. It's dead. So how can we continue living in sin? Did you forget that all of us became part of Christ Jesus when we were baptized? And he's not talking about baptism in water. He's talking about when we were baptized into Christ, fully immersed into the, the, the Spirit of God by grace and by faith. We were immersed into Christ. We were buried into Him. That's the picture of that we present when we are baptized in waters, that we are fully immersed into Christ and we come up free from everything around us at that point, clean. The Bible goes on to say, in our baptism we shared in His death. So when we were baptized, we were buried with Christ and took part in His death. And just as Christ was raised from death by the wonderful power of the Father, so we can now live a new life. We can. We don't often choose to, but we can. You can live a new life. Sin doesn't have to have power over you. Christ died, and we have been joined with him by dying too. So we will also be joined to him by raising from death as he did. We know that our old life was put to death on the cross with Christ. This happened so that our sinful selves would have no power over us. Can it be any plainer than that? 
Paul is clear. It doesn't have to have power over us. Then we would not be slaves to sin. Anyone who has died is made free from sin's control. The question that you and I have to just be honest and ask ourselves is are we willing to die daily to our old sin nature? We talk about following Christ in this life. We talk about being born again. We talk about being a disciple of Jesus. I think this great battle that we face in the church, I think this great battle we face in our church is this truth. You and I most often are not willing to die to self. I want what I want. You want what you want. I'm seeking after a comfortable, cushy life. I'm seeking after finances. I'm seeking after after love relationships. I'm seeking after things that bring me pleasure in this life that, that feed this old nature. But if I kill that old nature, if I let it die, if I starve it, if I slay it, as Paul said, the new nature gives me power to do that. Galatians chapter 2, 19 and 20. This, boy, this ought to carry you back, church. This is one of our verses that we first started with last year. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body. This life I now live. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We've been made free. Let's look on. Verse number 11. Verse number 11 gives us some clear um, encouragement today. Verse number 11 of chapter number 1 says, well, got to turn back a page. In Christ, we were chosen to be God's people. You were chosen to be God's child. And I know he has said this before, but here's what I want you to think about in this thought. In Christ, you were given your identity. Boy, big hot, hot button topic in the world around us today is our identity. How do you identify? Do you identify as a man? Do you identify as a woman? Do you identify? There's there's I heard some of these terms and I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm not trying to be to be smart. I didn't even understand the terms that they were using. Um, Non-binary. How can I determine that I want to be non-binary? I don't know what that means. I I don't know what that... Because here's what I know. I've been identified as a child of God. That's my identity. My identity is not that I'm a man, that I'm a husband, that I'm a father, that that I'm a pastor, that, that I'm a businessman. My identity is not wrapped up in those things. That's where we struggle. We get wrapped up in those identities. And we get lost in chasing those identities. My identity should be wrapped up in the fact that I am a child of Almighty God. Born again by His Spirit. I have been given an identity. And He did this because that's what He wanted. And he is the one who makes everything agree with what he decides and wants. Now I know that's a, that's, that's a passage that we struggle with. 
Because we, we like to think that we have a certain amount of freedom. Well, we do. God has given us some freedom. The problem is we take that freedom and we choose sinful things. We don't often choose what we should. But if we'll follow God, we'll bring Him glory. Verse number 11 says that that we were chosen to be God's people and He gave us an identity. And if you move down to verse 13, He's going to tell us another thing. Here's what He says in verse number 13, if I can find the 13. It is the same with you. You heard the true message, the good news about the way God saves you. When you heard that good news, you believed in Christ. And in Christ... God put his special mark on you by giving you the Holy Spirit that he promised. In Christ, you were given a special mark of ownership. Now, I want you to think about this. You've been branded. I've been branded with a special mark from God. It's not, I haven't been tattooed with a tattoo that you can see on my skin, but I've been tattooed with a tattoo of God on my heart. It is the Holy Spirit of God. The the third person of the Trinity of God lives inside of me. God gave me that Holy Spirit to direct me and to guide me. That's a special mark from God. I, I think that may be the greatest misunderstood, misappropriated truth in all of Scripture. We have God residing in our presence. You you don't have to wait to get to heaven to be in the presence of an almighty God. You are in the presence of God. God is continually with you if you've been born again. And this is the guarantee of God's promise. Listen, this is what he said. I promise you. I'm going to make you my child and I'm going to bring you to my presence and I'm going to make you just every exactly everything I've told you about in this word. And here is my guarantee. I'm going to put I'm going to put the Holy Spirit of God. I am going to come and reside in you. That's the guarantee in verse 14. The spirit is the first payment that guarantees we will get all that God has for us. Yet you ever wonder If you're ever going to get all that God wants for you. Have you ever wondered, am I really going to see heaven? Have you you ever wondered, God, am am I going to, why am I going through these difficulties? Why is it so hard? Why is it when I try to do right, it just seems like more and more bad stuff piles up? Am I ever going to see? Well, some of that comes from the lie that has been so rampantly put out in the last century or so that if you are God's child, you're going to have all the good things of this life. That's a lie. That is nowhere in scripture. You can't find it. Go talk to James, Peter, Paul, Barnabas. You you go talk to the men of the New Testament. You go back and read Hebrews 11. You get down to that last part about all those people that died by the sword, died by by spear, died by, by all kinds of horrible deaths. Because they were a child of God. Tell me that's a blessing in this life. No. 
But they were promised by God that they would have the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit was just a down payment of all that God was going to do. It defines with us the complete fulfillment of the promise that will come. The Holy Spirit is the first payment that guarantees we'll get all that God has for us. Then we will enjoy complete freedom as people who belong to him. You and I can enjoy complete freedom today if we'll surrender to his leadership, if we'll die to self. But there is a guaranteed promise that in that day, then, we will experience all that God has promised. I just want you to think about what we've talked about these last few minutes. In Christ, you have every spiritual blessing in heaven. In Christ, you have been chosen by God. Before the foundation of the world was formed, He chose you because He loved you. He chose you to be set apart, separate, holy unto His and to him, he chose you um, to bring praise to God. He chose you. He made you free by his blood sacrifice, free from the penalty of sin, free from the power of sin. He gave you an identity for who you were and how you should behave and what your day should be like. And he put on you a special mark of ownership. He came himself. To live in your presence. The Holy Spirit of God. So what was God's purpose in all of this? In all this that God has given us. His purpose was that each and every day. That each and every one of his redeemed. Will bring praise to God. In all of his glory. Look at the last part of verse 14. Then we'll enjoy complete freedom as people who belong to Him. The goal for all of us is the praise of God in all His glory. Listen, I don't don't know what your life is like right now. I know many of you what your lives are like. Some of you are really struggling. Some have illness. Some have heartache. Some, Some have wayward children. Some have struggling marriages. Some some financially are are hurting. Some are struggling with doubt. Some are getting old and feeling useless. Some are young in their faith and have no idea where to go next and feel hopeless. Listen to me. God lives in you and He chose you. And every single day what He said is I have chosen you to bring praise to me In all of my glory. That is our purpose. That is what we should get up for every day. It's what should get us moving every single day. Regardless of the circumstances you find yourself in when you awaken. Every day should be a glorious day. Because the first and best part of waking up. Is waking up in the presence of a Christ who lives in you. You wake up in Christ. So listen, let me ask you this today. Maybe you're a member of our church. Maybe you're just watching this video. You came across it. And you're not in Christ. You've never given your life to Him. You've never believed upon what the Scripture says about how a person comes to Christ and their life is turned over. You've never been born again. Let me encourage you. Come to Him. Seek Him out. Reach out to us. 
Reach out on Facebook. Reach out in person if you live in the area. Call us. Pastor Mark, myself, uh, Brother Sam, one of us will be glad to come and sit down with you and tell you how you can give your life to Christ. It, it, it's a pretty simple process in the way that we think, in the way that we move. It, it's a process that God only can do. But it, it's, it's pretty simple. You need to admit that you're a sinner, that you're separated from God, that you're broken because of your sinfulness. You, you need to understand that God cannot be and will not be in the presence in, in, the, in, the, in the, uh, the presence of sin. He won't allow sin into his presence. That's why we have to be in Christ to be in the presence of God in heaven. Because Christ is sinless and he has washed us and made less sinless. And we can therefore be his, in his presence. But, but you have to admit that. You have to agree with that. Not, not just admit it. I know a lot of people admit that they're sinners. But you've got to agree with God that that sin is separated. And then you have to believe that what Jesus Christ did on the cross, what the word of God says about who he is, that he was God in heaven, that he came and stepped out of God and from God in heaven and came and was born in, as a baby in a manger. And lived on this earth some 33 years or so. A perfect, sinless, holy life unto God. And that he willingly sacrificed himself and gave himself up for death to be a sacrifice for you and for me. And that if we would put our faith in that, what it means to have faith? It means that it's going to enact what you do. Not that you just believe, but it, 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 it enacts what you do. You move forward. Faith is an action. It changes what you do. By faith, you believe that what he did was, was for you. And you put your faith and hope in that. Listen, I stand to you today, before you today, and I tell you that I have absolutely no hope of heaven. If anything outside of Jesus Christ and what he did is going to get me into heaven. Because I put everything into believing that. I poured everything in my life into that. And that's based on what the scriptures say. Number three, you've got you've to confess. You've got to confess that he's God. You've got to confess that you're a sinner. And you've got to commit your life to him. Admit you're a sinner. Believe that what he did will, will save you. And then commit yourself to him. Confess that you're a sinner. Confess before others that he has redeemed you. That's the simple process. That changes the heart. God, if, is he speaking to you today? Is he calling you today? Can you, can you sense that presence in your heart right now? Turn your life to him. Listen to me. If you are in Christ, can I just encourage you? Can I implore you? As, as, the, Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit urged Paul to write, I plead with you. I beg you. Live like you're in Christ. Live like it. Find your identity in Him alone. Quit seeking to find your identity in the world around you. Quit looking for, for the next get-rich scheme. Quit looking for the next guy or girl or situation that's going to change everything about you. Understand that you are who you are because Christ made you. Find your identity in Him alone. Find your purpose in Him alone. Quit chasing after the world. Everything else 
the scripture said, has died with your old self when you were birthed into Christ by the Holy Spirit of God. So quit chasing after the world's treasures. If you want to be a disciple that's, that, that, that feels the freedom and the peace and the presence of Christ in your life, you're going to have to quit chasing the world and start chasing after a walk with Him. Father, I thank You for this day. I thank You for this message. I pray, Lord, that You would help us each and every day as we wake up to find our identity in Christ, to find our purpose in Christ. God, I pray for each believer that's hearing this, that we would sell out all that we are to a life in Christ. Father, for anyone that might be listening to this that does not know you, God, would you speak to their heart? Would you call them unto yourself? Would you draw them by the power of the Holy Spirit? Put them in the presence of someone that can walk them through the process of giving their life to you. Father, I pray these things in the powerful, mighty name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Well, church, I hope you have a great week. Um, It's going to be a quiet week for us as a church. No Tuesday morning, no Wednesday morning. There's nothing going in the church. The work day for next week that I know all of y'all were coming to. Every one of you are going to show up and help us work outside and clean up around the grounds. Um, You can stay home and stay in the air conditioning and enjoy. We'll we'll get to it. Um, Nothing going on this week. No Sunday service on August the 1st. Our next Sunday service in person. We'll have Sunday service on August. Our next in-person service will be on August the 8th, unless something else changes. We're not expecting that. We're looking forward to getting back together then. I love you, church. Have a blessed, blessed weekend.